Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Tomorrow Never Knows. Hey everybody and welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It's the only podcast on the internet where we talk about every single Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order. I'm J.B. Clark, joined as always by Rob Carmack. Rob, are you ready to talk about Tomorrow Never Knows? I am. This is one of my favorite Beatles songs, so it's it's nice to... Oh, <laughs> wait, wait. I'm just now learning this is not the Beatles song. This, this is, is not the Beatles song, song no. Uh, but seriously, folks, uh, the song Tomorrow Never Knows that we're talking about, not to be confused with the excellent song by the Beatles, which is the final track on the album Revolver, which is my favorite Beatles album, uh, this is not that. That was a psychedelic sort of journey into John Lennon's subconscious, and the song we're talking about today is a lighthearted, folky sort of journey through Bruce's backyard. I think. Yeah, so, you, and you would not be uh, you would not be wrong if you turned it on before the vocal started and were, thought it was like a Willie Nelson or a David Allen Coe or like a Flying Burrito Brothers song from the '60s or '70s. The music track is very classic '70s country. You know, the what trumpets and the. Railroad tracks on the snare and the bouncy bass, pedal steel. What's it sound like? I was going to say, I you think it sounds say? like a track that could have easily been onto the Tom Petty album, Wildflowers. Sorry. Yeah, Wildflowers. You know, like, it, it totally sounds like uh, Time to Move On a little bit, just a little, like, yeah. sped up a little bit. It, it To me, it has that that Wildflower sensibility to it um, a little bit. And, and I, I say that as a compliment. I love that album. But, um, but yeah, yeah, also, like, you're, you're being, I think, very generous also with the, the Flying Burrito Brothers comparison as well. Like, this, this, this is similar to that, but... Um, I don't know if it quite reaches that that level of excellence. Oh, no, it's not like an amazing song. It just has – it sounds like a really polished 70s country song that you would hear on the radio. Yeah, and it's it's pleasant. It's catchy. It's very short. It's two it, – it's the shortest album on – or it's, it's the shortest song on this album. It is two minutes and 14 seconds. And I, I guess – actually, I should probably back up for a second. We, I should probably say the album that the song appears on is Working on a Dream from 2009 – we're about. We are entering a season yes. of heavy working on a dream rotation. By the way, uh, we just like a couple of weeks ago talked about this life. We're talking about this one. Uh, there's a couple more coming down the pike pretty soon. Uh, this is yeah. working on a dream's time to shine. Is towards the end of the alphabet. The the story behind the song is just get some basic facts out of the way. Bruce had started working on a couple of new songs as he was finishing the Magic album in 2007, and very famously, a lot of the material from Working on a Dream came from sort of the overflow of the Magic Sessions. And this this is one of those songs. And uh, Brennan O'Brien, who was the producer on both Working on a Dream and Magic, Brennan O'Brien encouraged Bruce to start working on a new album to follow Magic because I think he had sort of this sense of, I, well, I mean, the, the story goes that Brennan was kind of watching him work out this material and saying, like, there's a whole other album here. We should keep working. But I think there's also this piece of Brennan's mind that's like, what if I just talk like what if I just get in Bruce's ear and it's like we can make another album you know what I'm saying like Brendan O'Brien has nothing to <laughs> yeah. lose by talking Bruce Springsteen into recording another album with him still in the room you know like while I'm here we could just do a whole other album and I could you know double my annual salary so um yeah I don't know that's, well, that's he a was, cynical take on it but I don't know that's he was putting some good stuff together with magic he was and, well, yeah for and sure. some of that's the few tracks that are really good from like working on a dream kind of are part of that magic you know overflow yeah they're 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 sort of extras you know yeah and 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 then whenever he starts it it falls off when he starts to force it when he's you know when he could have you know just had a couple outtakes and and called it a day yeah he i I mean in retrospect i wonder if he if it would have been better for him to like put together like an american beauty size ep you know and been like 
the the bonus sessions from the magic you know, or, or something like that um, instead yeah. of doing the full out. Although I'm I'm look I. I'm not going to complain about having too much Bruce Springsteen content, even though working on a dream is not my favorite. No, no, no. I'm glad. I'm glad it's. I'm glad it's there. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so after Brennan starts to encourage him to keep, kind of keep working, even after Magic is technically done, uh, over the next few weeks, or actually the next week, like over the next seven days, Bruce wrote "This Life," which we just talked about. Uh, he wrote "My Lucky mm-hmm. Day," "Life Itself," "Good Eye," which you love, and this song. So yeah. like in in a week's time he wrote almost half the album, while he was just sort of like because so that that tells you like what kind of creative energy Bruce was feeling at the end of the Magic sessions and you can totally tell as you listen to Magic because as we mentioned many times Magic is an excellent album and so it's not at all a surprise to me that Bruce came out of that that recording session and was like I've I've got more you know and I you know, it, but even though the more wasn't as interesting as what ended up on Magic in my opinion but they did record all of these new songs during breaks while they were on the Magic tour so like the in the Magic tour started in late 2007 and stretched all the way into mid to late 2008 and so apparently throughout that like anytime they would like get a down day they would just like find a studio and go record which is pretty cool I, I don't know this has to be the the quickest Bruce has ever put together a studio album with a full band unless you count high hopes which it High, High Hopes is a little bit different because it's it's outtakes from other sessions and some of that stuff had been previously recorded. Yeah. But like this is a full like front to back like proper album that they put together while they were on tour. And which is why it came out so fast. Like he puts he puts Magic out 2007 late like September I think of 2007. Working on Dream comes out January 2009 just in time for Bruce to do the Super Bowl halftime show. So like very quick like they're barely off the magic tour. Like they've been off the magic tour for like half a minute before this album starts uh before like singles start getting released and they start doing promotional stuff, you know? It was very fast. Right. And all that to say this song was one of the early songs that got written in those sessions. And just by the way, this song has never been played live, not once. Huh. Not even on the Working on a Dream I would tour. think it'd be fun to play, like, as a band, you know? Yeah. Well, it, it's, like you said, it's very folky. Like, I, I wouldn't mind seeing this on, I mean, at the very least, at, like, an acoustic set. But, um, but yeah, it's never been played live. And, and that, quite frankly, a lot of the Working on a Dream material has been practically ignored in the live shows. Even on the 2009 tour, while he's technically promoting this album, most of that, that material either never got played or got played like maybe two or three times and then got left by the wayside. I, th- I think the song that got played the most was working, the title song, Working on a Dream, and then Outlaw Pete. And outside of that, um, well, and The Wrestler, I think, got played a bunch on that tour too. But uh, outside of that, I, I think a lot of this material was pretty much forgotten the minute it hit, hit the shelves, at least by Bruce. Yeah, it didn't have a, a place in his heart. It didn't. Well, and, and that was the tour he starts doing like like full on legacy shows where he starts playing like full albums. He's taking a like a buttload of sign requests and um and and yeah. like midway through the Working on Dream tour, it stopped being a tour to promote a new album and it really just sort of became a showcase for like who the E Street band has been in, you know, the the decades yeah. long journey, you know. Anyway, that's a that that's probably more basic facts than we even needed on this song. So, uh Musically, you mentioned it's it's folksy, it's short. Yeah, we covered it a good bit. There's a lot of good acoustic uh, picked out instruments. There's some trumpets in the back, some fiddle. There's some really nice kind of um, just like cool, produce, like really neatly produced sort of shimmery guitars and, and, and uh, keys, uh, organ sounds. Um, really great. It's a really great uh, – musically, it's, it's 
it, it would be really fun to be a part of the session band, you know? Yeah. Uh, to be in the studio uh, on a song like this. Here, here's a question. A couple of weeks ago when we talked about this life, we, we mentioned a little bit about how the working on a dream tour or the the working on a dream album sort of feels like it's it's aiming towards something kind of ethereal and dreamlike as you know as indicated yeah. even by the cover but by the tone of a lot of the songs do you think this song being as like grounded and folksy as it is do you think it leans towards that ethereal sort of concept or do you think this is an outlier i think it's it feels like an outlier but i think like musically it feels like an outlier i mean the railroad snare definitely mm-hmm. feel makes it feel kind of like an outlier but when the strings and the trumpets you know, and those weird shimmery, you know, guitars come in that era of country music was pretty, uh, ethereal musically, you know, there was a lot of that sort of weird production in the background. So, you know what I mean? Like sort of like Hollywood, uh, like country goes west of Hollywood mm-hmm. and, you know, and sort of rhinestone country starts to happen a little bit. And it's not just like Texas country anymore or, or folk and bluegrass. It's like this weird sort of uh, everybody's got their rhinestone suits on and there's there's these mirages. I guess, you know, like it, it had that Western very much imagined like a horse and a cowboy on it going through the desert. That's what country music sounds like back then. And yeah. then in the distance, you see like this kind of purpley orange mirage. That's what 70s and 60s country kind of reminds me of. And that's so that's what's going on here. Like, yeah, there are definitely some very ethereal elements to it. Um, but I think that that the rest of the record has a different sort of ethereal nature that yeah. makes it doesn't have that gr- it is ethereal while being very much grounded with the drums and with yeah. the bass you know something i was thinking about today while i was listening to it I, I wonder if this song would have found a more appropriate home on devils and dust had it been written at that point you know what i mean because Devil- i mean thematically a little bit but, but also musically it didn't quite fit that either well i mean it, it's it's a little more devils and dust has a lot more folk sensibility and and also like I I think we tend to think of Devils and Dust as a more downer, you know, like because of the title song and because of songs like The Hitter and Reno. But you've also got songs like All I'm Thinking About and um, Long Time Coming that are a little bit more upbeat and a little more fast paced. And so I... I, They just all had a gritty quality to them. This song doesn't have any grit. Well, I mean, All I'm Thinking About doesn't have any grit at all. Like that's the one he does all in falsetto. Yeah. I guess you're right about that. Like I would... I don't know. It kind of does. Does it more than this one? It's like that really pushed falsetto, you know. I don't know, man. Well, I, I, I'm just thinking like I wouldn't mind. I would not mind seeing him take out Silver Palomino and put this in there instead. I, I don't think that would have hurt that album, you know. Because I mean, I yeah. say that because Silver Palomino is my least favorite song on that on that record. But tonally, it, it doesn't it doesn't appropriately replace that song. I mean, if you if you need if you need somewhere to put it to where it doesn't change sort of the tonal nature of that of that album, I I would switch it out with all I'm thinking about. Yeah, all I'm thinking about's got like a lot of rusty dobro, man. Yeah, you could have done that with this. Like Brendan O'Brien produced both these these albums. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he could have he could have tweaked this yeah. a little bit and made it fit a little bit better. Um, I don't know. I just it, yeah, it, it does because I think I think you're right. I, I don't think it sort of it matches sort of the ethereal nature of the Working on a Dream album as a whole. Although, like you said, it does sort of because it's about tom- like tomorrow never knows. It does sort of have a dreamlike concept to it because it's sort of imagining yeah. a future that doesn't yet exist, which is um, which is sort of the cohesive theme of the record. Yeah, I'd love to hear what Bruce would do like with a whole record that kind of was set in this musical genre. 
Yeah. Well, and, and uh, yeah, but, Devils and Dust. But Brothers, I don't. Not necessarily this, but yeah. And Devils and yeah. Dust is the closest yeah, thing we've gotten closer, so far. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pleasant enough, and um, but I, I I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's a two two minute and fifteen second folk song. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you want to do the lyrics? Yeah, here we go. Right. Where the cold wind blows, tomorrow never knows. Where your sweet smile goes, tomorrow never knows. You and me, we've been standing here, my dear, waiting for our time to come. Where the green grass grows, tomorrow never knows. In the field, your long hair float down by the Tildenberry tracks. There, neath the water tower, I carried you on my back. Over the rusted spikes of that highway of steel, with no more thunder sounds. Where the time goes, tomorrow never knows. Well, he who waits for the day's riches will be lost in the whispering tide where the river flows. Tomorrow never knows. So it's it's nothing to it. It's it. it's kind of a sweet little love song about like hanging out with this person and capturing the moment while it's happening. You know, walking walk the railroad tracks. Yeah, it's small town um, romance, presumably just like two people saying like we should maximize all the ta- time we have together because who knows who knows if we're going to get more. So let's just. Yeah. Be here now, which is, again, that's very on point thematically. That's very on point with this record. That's very, it's very similar to Kingdom of Days and uh, This Life and even kind of sort of like surprise, surprise, My Lucky Day. Like there's a lot of stuff on this record that's like we should like maximize yeah. the present moment. Yeah. It's sweet. Uh, there's not anything to it. Yeah. Outside it, of that. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I feel like we just had a lot of what this conversation is because we just talked about this live so so recently but this is one of those songs that I'm listening to it and I'm like I like this but then I never think about it again <laughs> when I'm when I'm not listening yeah. to it you know I never I've, n- I've never once sat down and thought like man I'm kind of in the mood for tomorrow never knows you know like I don't I don't know that that's ever yeah. a thought that's occurred to me so yeah. I I don't know I don't know if that's a knock against the song or just sort of an indicator of like how I respond to it so who knows tomorrow certainly doesn't um certainly doesn't how many rusted spikes do you give this song man we're there already I yeah guess, i guess we are no, no time like the present i give it four what about you yeah you give it four yeah i mean i mean i i bob my head i like it i hum along with it you know like i'm i'm in no way offended or put off by this song uh, i i actively enjoy it i just don't think about it when i'm not listening to it and that maybe the problem is yeah i'm the same way uh, I don't either really think about it, but I, I musically I love this song. Yeah, it's very uh, pretty. I don't think the melody's like doing much. I like the the idea of the lyrics. I don't think they're really doing much either, but I love the music. I, I, I can listen to in fact one of my favorite records is like basically if this was just an instrumental track, but for a whole record. Uh it's a guy named William Tyler. It's called uh Modern Country. <laughs> and uh it's like it's like the acoustic I mean, the instrumental version of this, it's, it's like my favorite record to listen to. So huh. when I'm just like hanging out around the house or want to just lay on the floor for a little while. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. So you, you give it under four also, is that what you said? Yeah. Awesome. Straight for us for tomorrow. And never knows. Congratulations. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think before we go, you've got, uh, you got a nickname to bestow. Do you not? Yeah, we got a little patron business. Nice. Uh, so uh, we got a listener, Lori Pierce. She uh, emails us a lot, and we love hearing from her. Um, so she she's a supporter of the podcast. We wanted to um, give her a nickname here. A little background. She's a professor, and uh, 
she uh, is deeply concerned about, you know, like the uh, the social justice of the world. So um, here is her nickname. Liberal studies Lori, with her head full of glory, is bringing justice to the world. Tender heart, tender foot, her callous nose in a book. She'll change your heart. She'll change your mind. She'll change your world. I think you should sing that, that to the tune of Tomorrow Never Knows. Uh, I don't think it works with the tune of Tomorrow Never Knows. Make it work. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll try. All right. Yeah. Oh. Well, thanks, thanks to Lori for, for listening and for supporting. And as always, great to hear from, from Lori when, when we do. And um, yeah, great nickname. Great nickname. So thanks, man. And uh, if you want a nickname, go over to patreon.com slash Springsteen. And you can support the podcast there. I think that you give five bucks, you get a nickname. You can give less. There are, uh, and you can give more. One buck gets you, I think, uh, the newsletter, and twenty dollars gets you on the podcast. There's stuff in between. Half that money goes to No Kid Hungry. So that that's that's uh, feed, feeding the hungry kids in America, something near and dear to our hearts, as well as Bruce Springsteen's. So we thought, you know, we would sort of honor him with what we were doing with the money that came in from the podcast about his songs <laughs> and, and it speaks to some of our convictions. Yeah. So if you want to support it, go there. Uh, and there's new merch on the site. So, uh, springsteen.com shop. Oh, we just sold. No, I just said we sold one, uh, some, I didn't say it sold out. I just said, <laughs> I it, said, <laughs> I just said it as soon as I, oh, I didn't say sold out. I said sold people. one. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't, we don't, uh, I don't warehouse that. So it, I, I don't know that it can sell out. Uh, so prove me wrong, <laughs> but they're, uh, they're cool t-shirts. Um, they're East street band t-shirts. So it's just got, uh, uh, the name of all the, um, East street band members in a cool sort of, uh, hip font and style down the side of the shirt. And, um, it doesn't have Bruce's name on it. So if you're wearing that shirt around town and somebody says something to you, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're an East street fan, you know, they're a diehard cause they recognize the names. So it's, it's, it's a pretty cool little uh, tip of the cap for when you're out in public. It's like whenever you see somebody wearing, you know, the jersey, your favorite team, but like a little bit more subtle. So A lot more subtle, for sure. But I like it. Yeah, it's, it's cool. i pick one up. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, JB, for hanging out. Thanks to Working on a Dream for providing a perfectly adequate song for us to talk about today. And uh, we will... A more than adequate song, I guess I should say. We gave it fours. It's a good rating. Yeah. But anyway, we will be back in your feed later this week with the song Tougher Than the Rest. So get excited, and we will see you then. Mm-hmm.